So we're in Gideon. I know Carl's prayed. I'm just going to pray again quickly, and then we'll go for it. Lord Jesus, speak to us. We put our yes on the table, even before we know what you're going to say, because our lives are surrendered to you. And we ask for the courage and the faith to walk into these things that you would call us to and that you'd put your finger on in our lives. I pray you bring freedom and faith and purpose to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so far in the uh, series in Gideon, we've read, you can read about in Judges chapter 6. He's an ordinary man who's living with some embers of faith and hope and frustration and promises from God in him, okay? And we've seen that he's getting on with his ordinary kind of life in the midst of the world around him, as it were, being far from ideal. His people are oppressed by their enemies. And there comes a time when God lays his hand on him and God calls out what is in him. And God comes to this guy getting on with ordinary life in an ordinary way. And God says to him, mighty warrior. And he speaks purpose into him. And we saw in week one, we talked about stepping out. (laughs) Step out from certain things, but ultimately step out and trust the Lord. Look to God. Be a promise-shaped person, not a problem-shaped person. Okay? Many of us, including me, and many times, we become problem-shaped, right? We're getting on with life until we hit a problem. Okay? And then we think, how do I deal with this problem? Okay? But if we're a promise-shaped people, even like Gideon was, I think, we're getting on with life. And even when we're in a wine thresh, surrounded by enemies, we're thinking, I wonder what God's doing. Where's God? He used to do mighty things. Eh? So just think for a moment, are you more problem-shaped or promise-shaped? So when you hit a hurdle, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Okay, maybe not exactly the first one. Okay, but very quickly, what shapes you? Is it the size of the problem? Or do you lay hold of your heart and say, how great is our God. God has said, God has given me a hope. I have a future. Do you know what? Even if my life comes to an end, I have an inheritance. Right? That's the extreme, isn't it? So just think for a moment. When you face something, what shapes you in that moment? Is it the issue or the problem? I'm not dismissing that. We grieve. We mourn. Whatever it might be. But does it cause us to come back to God and be promise-shaped? He said, he's with me, even in the furnace. Right? He said, I can have a peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't make sense. Right? He said these words over my life, they've not come to be yet. So come on, God. So are you, are you promise-shaped or problem-shaped? It doesn't mean that everything around you isn't kind of difficult. It doesn't mean that. But it means there's a different posture in our hearts. It's a posture that looks to the Lord. And no matter how dulled it can be at times, we are a people formed by the promises of God. Now, to be promise-shaped, you need to know what God says, right? So you could say you're, you're word-shaped, <laughs> right? What has God said? His grand purposes, but also into your own life. And so we see Gideon, I think, is promise-shaped. You know, there's, he's not perfectly, all the Ps, he's not perfectly promise-shaped, okay? Because there's wrestles within him, but he knows God has said some stuff about his purposes in the earth. And so God calls him to step out and to look to God, to be promise-shaped. And then... We looked as uh, last week as our preach, God calls us to step out in courage. Can you say courage? Courage. Courage for so many things. We see in Gideon's life, I know Al unpacked a whole range of things. Seeing Gideon's life, courage to deal with his inner life. He had to go and deal with the idols in his own home. He had to deal with disapproval from his family. He had to deal with hesitation to say yes to God in the midst of 
people close to him thinking badly of him as a result. Right? He, he, he dealt with things. He stepped out in courage and it started in there. He dealt with idols in his life, things that controlled him in his private life. And now we start to see a bit more of Gideon's public life. We've seen bits of it with his family and dealing with the idols there. But now we're going to see a bit more of the, the Gideon trumpet blowing, overcoming the army story, which hopefully is quite exciting. And we're going to see the impact that he has as he steps out and leads. So if you want a title this morning, step out and lead. Can you say lead? And as he does so, he brings blessing to many people and he brings glory to God. When God's people step out in obedience to God and lead, it does good to people and it brings glory to God. I've always said, I think if, we, if kind of our church wasn't about leading people to discover fullness of life by helping them find and follow Jesus, it would be doing good to people and bringing glory to God. And that's what happens as Gideon steps out and leads. Okay? So what's happening in this room right now? Some of you are just beginning to focus because it's your first five minutes of peace you've had this morning. Kids are out. Others of you are just weary and you've done well to be out. Others are thinking, lead? I'm not a leader. This is not for me. And you're tempted to switch off. Others of you are like, yes, leadership. Let's talk. Well, I, I'm not speaking about titles of leadership. I'm not speaking about positions of leadership. I'm speaking about leading into what God has called you to do. And leading into and leading others, catching others up with you. But you need to step out and do it. And I think this series is hugely timely because if you look around, there's not much space in the room, is it? Is there? Have a look around. Let it, let it sink in. There's not much space in the room, is there? And that's with something like 50 children and leaders out of the room. Okay, so if you were to point 15, yeah, God is adding to us wonderfully, is He not? Right? And so we've been sharing some. Thoughts about going to the north of Colchester and starting another afternoon gathering. And I'll share a bit more about that today and in the coming weeks. And so I think it's really timely because for that to happen, some of God's people need to step out and lead into it and make space. Okay? And some of you, it's an opportunity to step out and lead in ways that you wouldn't have because the context will be different. It'll be a bit smaller and it'll be forming its own life in itself. But also as individuals, we're always faced with this opportunity, aren't we? To step out and lead into what God wants us to do. So I want to share a few stories with you. Now, I would love to share stories that I stepped out and saw someone saved last week. I'd love to share a story that I stepped out and saw someone healed dramatically. Um, but I stepped out in obedience to the Lord, okay? And it's a very normal story. So I've been out for a meal in the last week or something like that, the week and a bit, with two people. And at the end of the meal, I've just said to the waitress, it was in both cases, just said, we're Christians and we'd love to pray for you. Is there anything we can pray for you? So this one, one lady, Isabella, she was a waitress in Zizi's, so go to Zizi's and offer to pray for a waitress because either she won't know what's going on. Uh, long blonde hair, you'll know that's her. Um, and we just said, uh, can we pray for you? And she, you know, she said that's something about her career. Uh, and we prayed for her and got, started asking a few questions. She said she was a Christian. That kind of meant she was christened. Uh, but we invited her to church. And she might come, and we've got to pray for her. And then we're out for dinner at um, somewhere else. I'm not going to tell you where I go out all the time. You think I'm out for dinner all the time. Evangelism by dinner's out. There you go. Um, had, a, had, a, had a leadership meeting. We're out, and we got to pray for the manager. So we got to pray for her, and she asked us to pray for a certain thing. And then she just thought she got a bit of a Catholic background. She's from Portugal, I think it was. Um, we've got to pray for her, and she's like, well, where do you meet? So we're able to give her... You're invited card. Have you got a pack of those in your pocket? Um, they're out on the table if you want to afterwards. And so I, so all of these are just habits trying to get better at forming of stepping out when I feel prompted by God. Yeah, 
I think one of them I felt particularly prompted. The other one, I just know God wants us to share his love. So I just stepped out. I don't think you need a word from God. So what little ways can you start to develop to step out and lead in a new thing? Okay? It might just be developing a habit, then hopefully look back in a few years and think, it's just what I do all the time. But you've led into it. Um, Alpha is a great opportunity for some of us to step out for worrying about our friends saying no. It feels so big in our minds, doesn't it? What if they say no? Just step out and ask them to alpha. You know, you can wrap it up however you want. Just say there's this course that millions of people in the world have done and it's been life-changing. It's in every continent and in most countries and it's unusual for people not to do it. However you want to wrap it up, okay? But just say, would you like to come on alpha? It's a course where you can inquire about Christianity or whatever it might be. Be praying for them. So with that and with the north of Colchester, with Chelmsford Church Plant, I'm there on Wednesday strengthening a little group. We've got there of six people waiting for God to add some laborers as we gain momentum, believing God for a church in Chelmsford. If you want to come on Wednesday, come and see me. Lots of opportunities that are not just going to happen. And that's just my world, our world. You've all got arenas of influence where God's put you. For them to happen, you need to step out and lead in whatever way that might be. Okay? And so it's an invitation from God, this series, I think. It's an invitation to say, what might be if we say yes to the Lord in these, in these ways? Because we sense like Gideon limitations. Can you say limitations? Whose mind is filled with all the reasons why not right now? Okay? You don't know how busy I am. don't know how tired I am. I've tried that before. I've been disappointed. I don't know anyone. We all have that self-talk, okay, in many ways. If that's, if that's not going on, well done for you. But, but we all sense limitations like Gideon, and yet in the midst of that, God invites us. Yeah? So, so, so we can focus on the limitations or the invitation from God to step out and to lead. And it always comes with God's promise. I am with you. I am with you. Let's have a look now at Gideon's life. So we're just going to see from Gideon some lessons that we can learn from this reluctant person who ends up taking initiative and responsibility. That's how I define leading, taking initiative and responsibility. Okay, There's loads of definitions of leadership or what makes a leader, but leading, I think, is step, taking initiative and taking responsibility. And it can be in whatever scale or whatever sphere you are. You spot a problem that no one else has seen and no one else will see. You take initiative and you're responsible. You've led in that moment. Okay? Or you hear about a problem or a challenge. You say, why not me? And you step out and in whatever capacity you can, with the grace you have, you take initiative and you take responsibility. So before, one more thing before we dive into it. Culturally, leadership is not attractive at the moment. There was a time... When everyone aspired to be a, a leader. But culturally, cancel culture. You understand what that means? You make a mistake, you're cancelled. And there's no coming back, right? Forgiveness and restoration is just not something that happens anymore if you're cancelled. It's so anti Christian, cancel culture. Hate it. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have accountability and all of that, of course. But the Bible calls us to restore people gently, okay? To forgive. Even if they don't get a position again, if they don't get a title, the person is restored to a healthy life. Okay? It might be right not to give them certain roles. But we live in a world of cancel culture. We live in a world of social media. So one mistake is amplified. 
Young people growing up these days, their life is on social media. You make a mistake now, in 30 years' time, someone will dig it up. I, I, there must be people whose full-time job is to record everything on social media so they can sell it for millions of pounds in 10 years' time. Right? So you can be cancelled. There, there must be going on somewhere. Everywhere. So we live in that kind of environment, and then in our country, there's cynicism towards leadership. Would you agree? I, there's lots I don't like about politics, but I have massive respect for anyone who dares step into that realm. It's brutal, isn't it? And there are so many failures. And then you come to the church, and there's been failures of abuse. There's been cover-ups. There's been heavy-handed leadership. So I myself, in the last four years, two of the people I looked up to the most, who were my spiritual fathers in the faith and shaped me, in many ways have both had significant falls from grace. One of them is now dead. That was kind of an international thing. And the other one many people wouldn't know about, but is no longer in church ministry as a result. Um, and we will have stories either personally connected or we don't know. Why would you want to lead publicly? And as I've shared before, this has become a pull on my heart where in the name of wisdom and humility, I've stepped back from things because the question in your heart is, what if I step into something and there's any element of profile and it goes wrong? There's no coming back from that. There is in Jesus. And it depends what it is. Unfortunately, trying to discern between foolish mistakes and deliberate hatred stuff, it's hard to work that out. But I have stepped back from some of the things. Not huge things. And they might not even lead to anything. But I think, what if I go the same way? Right? And there are certain topics and issues in society now, if you address them and you say what the Word of God thinks, the blog sphere goes crazy about you. And they call it hatred or hatred speech or whatever it might be. I don't know if you've felt that in any way in your life. So we need courage to step out and lead. So when I say step out and lead, it's not just in this void. There is pressure against it because we can easily be afraid. Now we need wisdom and accountability. There's good things that come as a result of all of that. But there are some things that come against this. So it's too easy to make a retreat in your heart and want to hide. And culturally speaking... UK compared to other parts of the world. We're not necessarily a kind of culture that breeds leadership, okay? In various forms. So in school, you no longer have prefects and things like, you know, which develops. And, and so I grew up in a culture where from the age of seven, you're trying to be developed to be some kind of leader in your nation and culture and things. It's just not the same way here. In the same, and in fact, actually, it's normal for children to not want to do things in many cases because it's a cultural sway. You think, okay, it's normal for them to be shy and retreat. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, okay? Some, in my culture, I had too much pressure and didn't allow children to be children a bit when I grew up. But as a result, we're, I think we're a step back, <laughs> people, generally speaking. Um, I think that's a generational change that's come in rather than a step out, people. So I want to speak into us and trust that we'll become a people who take initiative and responsibility. So Gideon's journey, I said about five minutes ago, we'd get to Gideon. We are, we are there. Gideon, Chapter 6, we're going to learn three or four things about stepping out and leading from him. Chapter 6, verses 33 to 35. Let's read it together. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the 
those ones, the Abizrites, to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling people to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. So they too went up to meet them. So you know the context. You've got these oppressors. We're told they're numerous, and you can't really count them, and they just destroy everything in their pathway. And you've got Gideon. Yeah, we've heard his story. Wine press, destroying an idol. And then we see the first thing about godly leadership. How you lead in God. Firstly, you need to be empowered. Can you say empowered? The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and it led to something. The Spirit came on him and he was a changed man. Okay, It came on him and it led to something. The, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament often came on particular people at particular times for particular reasons. Okay, Whether it's the 70 or Joshua or Othniel or Samson or Saul and Gideon here which led, as, you, as the Spirit came on people, they did certain things, showed mighty strength, some of them prophesied. And so you have this longing in the Old Testament that these mighty things that happened when the Spirit came on people would happen for everyone. Okay, So Moses, oh, that all men, God's people would prophesy. Joel, there'll come a day when the Spirit is poured out and there'll be dreams and visions and prophecies. And so you, you have, first of all, this empowering from God. It's no incident that it's recorded. We're not told how it happened. Maybe no one else knew that this had happened until Gideon did something. But the Spirit came upon him, anointed him, smeared him, clothed him. In the prayer meeting we heard this morning, it's something where God clothed himself with Gideon. God came in the man and God did something. Do you know God coming in you and changing you? Do you know this empowering? Do you, have you ever tasted a sense of, I'm a different person in God? This is what happened at Pentecost, isn't it? The beginning of the church. Ordinary people. There's men's conference coming up. Men, I hope you've signed up for an ordinary unschooled men. Ordinary unschooled men. The Holy Spirit came on them. And women and children. And the church was birthed. And look at us now, thousands of years later, all over the world. Nearly four billion people following Jesus. It says of Jesus, he was baptized, been filled with the Spirit. He went out in the wilderness and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Not, not making a point between the difference, but Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do you know God in that way? One of the greatest dangers in a church like this that believes in the Holy Spirit is we can presume it's true of all of us. So how do you become empowered? You think, okay, why am I wanting to do all these things but I just never can cross the line? You need to know God. You need to have God fill you. you need to, it needs to come from a place of overflow. And there's no some magic formula. Just get with God. Get promise shaped. Get spirit filled. Get to know your God. So that you know that you know that you know. And more and more, I think, when you meet someone, think, if they are confident that even what they do would result in the end of their life, they'll say yes to God. Now, most of us won't face that, right? But someone who does that, that's not bravado. That's because there's a deposit in them. There's a down payment that says, I know, no matter what may be, that God is faithful and he will see me through. Do you know God? This is the first thing. You've you, you got to have a walk with God. Now, it's not got to be perfect. Gideon was not perfect, as we're going to see, because being empowered, knowing God, is one part of it, right? But what you've got to do something with it, right? Say action. I, I think in my life, I look back, I think many times I felt prompted by God. Sometimes I stepped out, you think, wow, it's wonderful, knowing you're doing something. Other times, for whatever reason, I step back. 
And I look back now and I think, I wonder what I missed out on. And I, I trust God blessed that person through someone else. But I wonder what others missed out on. Because and, and what was going on? Because even when you're empowered, even when you're filled, it emboldens you, right? But you still need to be obedient. So this is the next thing. If you want to step out and lead, you need to be obedient. Can you say obedient? So you see in verses 33 to 35, 34, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he sat back and watched God work. No, no, no. What does it say? He blew a trumpet and he summoned the people and he called them to arms. Gideon did something. He stepped out and he acted. He responded to the Spirit. We like to say at the church here, Put your yes on your table and allow God to put it on the map in terms of where God's calling us to. Most of us, we're like, I've put my pin in the map and I, in that context, I'll say yes to God. <laughs> you know, we, we say, put your yes on the table and let God lead you wherever. This is the vision of Isaiah. Some of you know the story of Isaiah. He came and he saw God and his glory and he said, woe is me. And then his lips were touched and he was cleansed. And then he heard God say, who will go for me? He didn't hear God say, who will go for me to X, Y, or Z? Who will go and do this? And in fact, his assignment wasn't very glamorous. But he said, I'll go. And then God filled in the details. That's the posture of a Christian life, isn't it? Yes, God. Because you were bought at a price. Your life is not your, not your own. Right? That's how we start. That's how we walk. We have to obey. You have to do something about it. Young men, how many of you remember that you, you can be oh so overcome with feeling that you think you're going to do everything and ask a young lady out. But when it comes to the moment, <laughs> you find a reason to just keep walking because they suddenly they turn away and speak to someone else. You know, how many times have you thought, I feel so empowered to do this, but we all chicken out, right? I'm not saying the empowering of the Holy Spirit is like that feeling, okay? But what I'm saying is sometimes we can feel so strong and not act on it. Yeah? So you can be empowered and feel the life of God. Now, sometimes I think God just <laughs> does something and you just, you're overwhelmed, right? But other times we have to act and we have to be obedient. And the story goes on, and I'm going to unpack it, the story of the fleeces. Some of you are hoping we'd preach about the fleeces today. You know, where Gideon's kind of called the trumpet, the people are coming, and then maybe he's thinking, what have I done? You know, I've said yes to God. I don't think that's why, because he gets these fleeces and he says, they're going to put it on the ground. God, if you're really going to win this battle through me, make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Okay? God does it. Gideon's like, oh, please, bear with me. Give me more. Give me more kind of proof. Do it the other way. Okay? Make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Or whichever order it was. Now, some people say that's a great way to seek God for decision making. I don't think that's what it's saying. Um, now you could do that. You could put some fleeces out. I think Gideon's asking God to show that he's not a God like the others. You know, he's a God over nature. He's a God over these things. But he's also asking him to affirm something in his heart. So Gideon has obeyed. It doesn't mean he's ticked every T and ticked every, what's your, what's your, dotted every I and crossed every T, right? He said yes. And he's still holding on to God, right? Sometimes we think, I've got to work this all out. Where will the money come from? Where will I live? What, what about that? Where, so, there's wisdom in some of these things. But if God said it, we say, yes. Like Abraham, we set out not knowing where, we, not knowing where we're going. 
Okay? Like Esther, you go before the king thinking, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen with my life, but I know I've got to do this. I've got to do it. With, with, with Ruth, thing, okay, I, I, I'm giving up my prospects because I'm going to be faithful to my God and I'm going to honor my responsibility. I'm going to trust God. But, but what if, what, what, what if that, now I've said yes to God, okay? That's where obedience comes in. I, I love it that he blew a trumpet here. Okay? I did think about getting a trumpet, but I've seen enough videos where someone tries to blow a trumpet and it goes wrong, and you lose the moment. Um, trumpets represent so much in the Bible. So the Bible's full of imagery, right? So one of the things that trumpets represent is battle, calling people to respond. So when they heard these kind of trumpets, people would drop all of their weapons, they would stop, and that they would assemble for war. But trumpets also summoned divine assistance. They were a sign of victory, in the name of the Lord, right? That's, that's what trumpets represent. Other things as well, there's going to be a final trumpet, hallelujah, a final victory, a final summoning home, a final combination of all things, meeting Jesus, cannot wait, right? But also there's time for war, and there's trumpets. We're battling in the name of our God. Jericho, who would have thought blowing trumpets? So, I mean, how did those soldiers feel? Like, we're marching, we're looking really tough, at the end of this, we're going to blow our trumpets. The walls come crumbling down. It's a sign of divine assistance and of victory. So Gideon's saying, I'm blowing a trumpet. We're going to war, and I'm declaring victory, and God's coming. But God, please help me with these fleeces. Okay? And so we merge into the third thing about how you step out and lead. You're empowered, and you're obedient. But you are dependent. Can you say dependent? Judges 7, verses 1 to 4, just skipping on a little bit. Early in the morning, Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midianite was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moriah. Moriah. The Lord said to Gideon, remember, there's two armies camped next to each other. One is huge, the other is small. Okay? The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I mean, I'm not sure what Gideon heard after that. I'm not sure I would have heard much. I've been like, we did the fleece thing last night. Okay, um, I've blown the trumpet. I've said yes to you. You said you're going to give me victory. We've got you know 32,000 people here against these masses, and I said we don't have enough people. <laughs> God goes on, says, "I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me, and say my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army: anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead." So 22,000 men left, <laughs> with 10,000 remaining. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men, if he's still listening, if he's not gone with the 22,000, okay? So 22,000 gone, there's still too many left. Oh God, there's not enough of us to do these things. How will we? What are the answers? Where are the people going to come from? How are we going to man it? There's still too many. <laughs> the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300, and then he gives them this test, okay? He says, take them down to the water. Some of them are going to kneel down and just lap the water. Others are going to really just go on and lap the water up, whichever way it says. And he says, okay, I'm going to call you to separate them, all right? And with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300. Can you say 300? Who took over the provisions of trumpets and the others. Now, who's watched some of those action movies, 300 and things like that? So, yeah, I'm imagining, I'm Gideon, I'm like, I'm hoping they're the ones, Lord. They set like this, they're the mighty. 
I, I, I don't think that's what happened. You know, there would have been some great, there all would have been great fighters. But he's sitting there thinking, please lap with your hand, that one big guy, whatever it is. And he just sends them home. Think how, when you step up and you obey God and lead, it's not plain sailing. You need to keep every moment saying yes and stepping out and leading. And then God kindly said, well, listen, I'm going to show you what's going to happen. So he takes them into the enemy camp at night, hiding. There's a theme there. And, and he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to let you overhear the enemy dreaming, Okay. So the enemy's dream is saying, I had a dream about a, a loaf of barley had tumbled into the camp and it kind of wiped us out. And oh, it, it, that must be Gideon. <laughs> so Gideon's like, Yes, we're going to come in victory against these people now, right? I, I'm now emboldened to lead. I'm going to come out. God says, I'm going to give them into your hands. Okay, so the story goes on. Gideon goes back and he, he, he does some things, right? So sometimes we think we need to have guidance from God for every step of the way. I'm not sure that's always how it works. God's given us wisdom. God's given us faith. God's given us courage. So Gideon splits them into three groups and gives them a you know, trumpet, a torch hidden away. He spreads them out over the army camp and he comes up with a really good strategy. Nothing wrong with strategy. Yeah? In some parts of the church you think, we just always need to hear from God, forget strategy. I, I, I don't think that's biblical. God had a plan in unfolding creation, didn't he? God is unfolding his purposes. But does that answer every question? No, I don't think so. You know, our plans should be a faith response to what God said, yes. And we go from there. Okay? So the plan's a wise one. Okay? At night, the enemy, they, so, you know, they've probably got whatever watches through the night, three or four. So you've got one group who have been guarding the camp, walking back into camp, and the other group waking up to go back and take guard. And so in the middle of the night, when the enemy, it says, when, when Gideon's army are around there, they hold their positions and they blow the trumpets. So probably what's happening is the group of people coming out to guard the camp in the middle of the night, find the group of people coming in to rest. And they think enemies, chaos. God throws them into confusion. They rout each other and they head off. And there's victory for Gideon. Hallelujah. Yeah. But the whole time, he's dependent upon God. God said, God gave a dream that gave him confidence. God, so we keep going back to God, right? You keep going. Because often the challenge in leadership is you start with God and then you crack on and you forget him, right? Yes, you crack on, but you keep going back. So in, in your life, whatever it might be, what you do with your time, your money, your resources, your energy, your calling, are you just looking back to what God said 10 years ago, or are you freshly going to, to him? Now, you might not get fresh direction all the time, fresh, but you're going back and you think, I'm dependent upon the Lord. I'm dependent upon the Lord. You know? So for us going north, we are dependent upon the Lord because we don't want to weaken what's here. And whilst the church is growing, the core who are kind of carrying and serving each day, so the guys on the sound serve on the worship team and helping on projection people, our teams are super stretched. So you're like, what are we doing even thinking about anything else? Okay? Think we're relying on the Lord. Maybe we'll take no one or no one who's currently serving. But we'll just say, God, who's going to pitch up? Let's start again from the beginning. Because we feel God said something and we've said yes and we're going. So after the service, I'm going to be 15 minutes in the dining room. If you're interested in helping or coming to the north, come and find me. If I'm sitting there on my Todd, I'm going to go on my Todd in a Sunday sometime this, this term. We'll, we'll share a date once we secure a venue. And we're going to be there in the afternoon. And we're going to say, God, we're going to pray. We're going to say, God, bring people to us. And we're going to go and share with our neighbors and things. We're going to gather maybe just us. Anyone wants to come first week 
and then we'll see what God does. Okay? But I'm putting a flag in the ground saying we're going and doing something. We'll see what the Lord does. Okay? And we'll review it. Of course we will. Okay? But if you're in any way interested and you want to step out and lead in this regard, there are many other ways. Come and find me. I'll be in the dining room after this for a few minutes. I love that Jesus modeled this dependency, didn't he? He said in John 5 verse 19, I only do what I see the Father doing. Very, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself, only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus lived this dependent life, but he worked out the purposes of God. So, empowered, get empowered. Be obedient. Okay? Continue being dependent. And then the last thing, and I finished with this. I couldn't find a good word for this. Exemplary. He led by example. Okay? Uh, that's the essence of leadership. Hidden, unseen, title, position or not, you lead by example. And God rewards what is particularly done in secret. And those who are faithful with little, God rewards with much. That's the economy of heaven, right? Okay? Faithful with a little bit of whatever it might be, gifting or ability or time, God gives more. God gives more. God blows on it more and more. Judges chapter 7, verse 17 to 18. Gideon says, watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. I don't know what you think about that line. Have you ever thought of it? For the Lord and for Gideon. It would be nice if it just said for the Lord. That would be simpler. So what's going on is Gideon's starting to get a little bit full of himself here. Well, I don't think so. I think Gideon's gone into the enemy camp and he's heard the people dreaming and they said, surely this is Gideon and his army, right? So when he shouts, for the Lord first and for Gideon, right? I think he's saying, yes, God, to the dream. And he's saying, you had a dream about what God would do. This is the dream, Gideon. I don't think it's some self-aggrandizement. But, but also, the Bible is not faceless, is it? Sometimes we say, and I know you've heard this lots of times, it's not me, it's the Lord. Okay? And as Terry Virgo would say, well, who played the wrong note then? Was it the Lord? Okay? You know, sometimes we say, it's not me, no, it's you. You made a choice to obey the Lord. You stepped out. Now, you're not taking the glory. The glory is God's. But the Bible is full of names from beginning to end of people who serve God. And we will receive rewards for our faith and obedience when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, however that works out, okay? So I don't think this is some pride thing. I think it's humble confidence in God and obedience to God. Lead by example. So whether that's in private, in homes, in relationships, in the workplace, or at school, wherever it might be. And so I'm not going to say much more on that, but I'm just going to... Pause for a moment. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. We are going to break communion in a little bit because this is a, 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 it's a remembering Jesus. It's a putting Jesus first, but it's also a declaration of our dependence on God. We're depending on the one who gave his life and has conquered sin and death and who promised to pour out the Holy Spirit and who's coming again and whose promises will never be thwarted. Hallelujah. So just let's pray for a moment. Lots said... Hopefully some helpful. Holy Spirit, just as we come to an end, we want to be a yes people. And I thank you 
so many stories of yes in this room already. I just, for many of you, just the affirmation of the Father to say, well done. In the last year or two, post-COVID, many people have made courageous decisions and said yes to the Lord. Some know about it, others don't. I just felt the Lord would affirm you and say, well done. For some of us, and I've felt this recently, there's a conviction that we've stepped back in fear and worry. And we've felt God move us. We know the Holy Spirit in us, calling us, and we've not obeyed. For others, we did years ago, and we're relying on our own strength, our own experience now. And for some of us, we're calling people to things that we used to do, but our inner private lives have drifted. And we're not giving our first and best of everything to the Lord. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and empower us. Just welcome the Holy Spirit, would you? However you do that. Weary mums. Maybe you're single and you're lonely and it's tiresome. Maybe you're just struggling in some way. Maybe you're prone to self-reliance. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come power you. Maybe you love church, love Jesus, but you're dabbling these relationships, those practices. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come and fill us. Come and empower us. Come upon us. Come and, come and, as it were, come in us that we're clothed. Come and clothe yourselves with us, as it were. Come and um, endow us with power from on high. Come and make us promise-shaped people. And I pray, I do pray, Lord, uh, generally we would lead, but I pray for the spiritual gift of leadership right now. I've prayed for that many, many days of my life. I think, Lord, I want to serve your people. Call me a gift of leadership. So just if you want that, now, ask the Lord. He gives freely. Lord, I pray for new leadership in our homes, in our schools, in the church. And as we come now, Lord, to communion, we ask... Lord, as we remember you, Lord, you remember the promises you've made. Your church will not be overcome. Broad promises. Lord, you will have a glorious bride. The increase of your government and peace, there will be no end. And Lord, we remember some promises you've spoken over us as a church. Remember that you've prompted us, we believe, to go north. We say, yes, Lord, as best we can. Lord, we say yes to the nations. You've prophesied that over us. We'd have... Reach to the nations, particularly the East. Lord, we, we say yes. So as we, as we take bread and we drink wine, we're, we're remembering your broken body, your victory, your resurrection. Lord, your intercession in heaven on our behalf right now. And we're also saying, Lord, we're willing to be broken. We're willing to serve. We're willing to lay down our lives and our priorities and our rights as we say yes to you. Because we trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord.